Happy New Year and welcome to the Futures Functional Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Waits, and today on the podcast we have got on Sam Peppies. Sam is pretty similar to the usual people we have on the podcast who looks good, moves really well, really into his mobility, does functional fitness, but Sam has actually worked at Crystal Palace Football Club, so he gives us a real insight into how the players actually train, what their time off looks like, how it varies from manager to manager. And he also comes out with possibly the best workout at the end of the podcast, but I'll let you decide on that one once you've had a go. Now we'll just kick straight on with the interview. Enjoy. Firstly, Sam, welcome to the podcast. Thank um, you for having me. <laughs> more than welcome. Uh, whenever we get anyone to come on the podcast at the start, we tell, get them to tell their story and where their training journey started. So could you give us a little bit of an insight into yours? Yeah, so I've been, um, I've been a trainer for eight years now. Um, as soon as I qualified, I decided that I wanted to specialise in S&C. And it's been a bit of a long journey since, uh, since when I first qualified with, with Premier Training all those years ago. And uh, along the way, I've had various people say, oh, you need to do this. Oh, you, you know, you're not going to make it there, blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. Um, at the end of the day, I've just kind of stuck to my guns, done what I've had to do. Um, you know, along the way, I ended up working for a Premier League football club, which was like a childhood dream for me. Who did you work uh, for? Uh, Crystal Palace. Oh, nice. So yeah, sure. now, now I'm sort of out the other end of, uh, I went through a bit of rebranding my business a couple of years ago. Um, and yeah, now, now that I've left Palace, I've been recruited by a football agency to work exclusively for their players. Um, so it's, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of exactly where I want to be, which is, which is, uh, which is nice. So what was, what was the first time you like lifted the weights or went in the gym? Oh, beach weights when I was probably about 16, I reckon. Same as everyone. Like, I was probably flicking through uh, men's health. Probably just doing all the mirror muscles, like week in, week out, you know, just doing chest, buys, chest. <laughs> yeah. Hey, chest day every Monday. Uh, yeah. So what, what was like, the, what was the change into strength and conviction? What, uh, what, as in... So like when you went from like your beach muscles to more of a like performance, sport focused um, trainer? Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me it was probably... I mean, when did I qualify? I qualified about four years ago. I came accredited four years ago. Um, and yeah, and as I said, you know, it's always been my intention to work with pro athletes and stuff. And, you know, the application of science is, is a little bit different to, I mean, there's obviously, there's some carryover and stuff from the traditional personal training model and obviously the, the application of the science. But, you know, when it comes to training pro athletes, essentially you're preparing them for the, the sport in question. You know, you you take, the you take the needs analysis of the sport and you um, come up with a contingency or programming that's then going to help keep them on the pitch, uh, allow them to perform better and, and that sort of stuff. Okay, so if you were got, like, when you were training at Crystal Palace, football player, like, what would their typical week look like? Typical training week, uh, just in the gym or on the pitch as well? Uh, just, 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 just the full, the full week. Full yeah. week. So, depending on when the game is played, um, so say if they played the match on Saturday, um, match day plus two, Monday, there'd be a light field session. Um, sometimes, it depends on the club, some clubs get, the, or some managers get the players in on a Sunday for a recovery session, some let them rest. 
Um, I even like I've heard Pochettino. He actually he actually trains the players on match day plus one, um, which yeah I can understand the science behind it, but it's a little bit risky considering how long the season is. Um, and then uh, Tuesday they'll start to increase pitch based loads, uh, so running distances, high speeds uh, distances, and then they'll do the first gym session. The first gym session of the week will predominantly be. So the higher higher intensity loads, um, depending on the, obviously the cycle they're working within. Wednesday could be a day off. Once again, depends on the manager. Thursday, um, they'll then start tapering for the game on the weekend. So the pitch-based training loads will be reduced a little bit. They'll still do some gym work. The gym work might be more power-based. So the Tuesday session might be more strength. Once again, dependent on the cycle. Friday, um, predominantly, they'll be do some short uh, a short session on the pitch. Um, as, well, uh, as well as some sort of tactics, um, and then yeah, that's them sort of set. So it kind of undulates throughout the week, um, whereas they'll try and from going from the end of the match in previous week, um, they'll try and increase things up until about Wednesday, and then start to bring it back down in preparation for the game on the weekend. So I'd imagine that uh, strikers training would be different than the defenders training. Is that true or do they all train pretty much together? I mean, there is, there's a lot of research out there for position-specific training and stuff. Um, well, from my experience, the training that a striker does is, is fairly similar to a defender. They're, the only difference is their running loads might be slightly different on the pitch. So that's something that a sports scientist will monitor because um, obviously a striker is required to do um, more sort of high-speed darts, whereas a defender... Not, not so much. Then, obviously, when you've got wing backs, they're required to do a lot more sort of high speed running and stuff. And it's, those are all things that are taken into consideration and monitored throughout the week so that we don't get a sort of rapid increase in training loads, which can increase the likelihood of, of picking up an injury. So, were you given like a, a specific player or a group of players to monitor, or was it just a full team? Well, I mean, with regards to the pitch based work, uh, that's that was the role of the sports scientist. So, um, um, you know, I, I was just predominantly gym based, um, and it was it's a case of managing a squad rather than an individual player. You might do some additional work with an individual, but it is um, it's, it's predominantly you're managing it or you're looking after a squad. Um, okay, cool. So you said it was like your dream job to work with athletes. How yeah. did how did it was it working with athletes as good as you I mean, thought or it was you know it was it's so surreal like but it's amazing how quickly you adapt to something you know initially when I first started working there I'd come in and I just I see these guys that you see on TV and stuff and it's your you know automatically you're almost a little bit struck by it but obviously at the end of the day it's your job so you just gotta you just gotta crack on with things but yeah it's it's pretty cool it's a it's a real honour um, and uh, yeah yeah I love it it's great. When did you work there? When was that? When, when were you working at Crystal Palace? Oh, so I left a year and a half ago now. Okay, so when did you start? I started in... When did it have been? 2000... I started with the academy in 2015, I think it was, yeah. Okay, so it's pretty recent then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you got any, um, any motivation to go back into it, or are you happy with what you're doing now? Do you know what? It was always it was always my aim to to get a bit of industry experience um, and then sort of eventually step away once I was in the right position. 
Um, and it kind of, when I was there, it kind of hammered home that it wasn't really going to be me for the rest of my life. Um, for, for various different reasons, obviously wanted to develop the brand. I couldn't, I couldn't do it working a uh, full-time job there. So, yeah. So you start when your personal training now, when you started, you were doing like, as, as everyone does, like bodybuilding, Wanting to get a chest and some abs to the beach, and then how 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 did it develop from there? Like, so you like now you do um you were just saying you do competitions like the turf games and mm. and a few others. Um, so what what was the gap between? How did you develop into functional fitness competing? I kind of I kind of fell into the, the you know the, the functional fitness element of things. I think I just missed that that competition in my life because I've played sport at quite a high level for most of my life I just I've had this sort of lag where I wasn't really doing anything well I was still doing things but not sort of competing you know I was my my training was all performance based I was trying to get a lift to a certain place you know chasing a number as it were um but there was no sort of like end goal I wasn't intending on competing powerlifting um or anything or strong or anything like that so it's kind of it's kind of just given me that that element of competition back in my life, which is, um, which is something that I've been desperately trying to find for a number of years. There's some absolute beasts at them competitions as well, isn't there? <laughs> Jeez, tell me about it. <laughs> it was such an eye opener when I first went to the first uh, like active man workout. We did some, we did an adaptation of Murph. Um, you, you familiar with the Murph yeah, workout? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, just on that second mile run, I was like. Jeez. <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to do some work here, man. I couldn't feel my legs for like the whole way around. I was basically just running with like meth, like stone boulders beneath my waist. When uh, was that? Was that um, farm fitness? No, that yeah. was. Uh, we did that in Clapham Common, actually. Okay. We did that at Clapham Common, and then that's that sort of like they gave me a little bit of a kick up the bum to to really, you know, get stuck in with this this mixed model type of training. Um, like I'm, I'm not, I've, I'm, I'm not for or against CrossFit or anything like that. But I'm not, a, uh, you know, a full CrossFitter. I've never gone to the extremes of actually working on my sort of gymnastics technique and that, that sort of stuff. And I dabble every now and again. Obviously, I work in a box, so it's it's quite hard not to. Um, but yeah, no, no, I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of the mixed model style it's, of training. I think the mixed models like the future. Of, I think so training. as well. Yeah. I know th- I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I think I think CrossFit sometimes is like you, you push yourself too hard, so you're breaking form. And yeah, a lot do, of do you know what I mean? Part, part of the, I mean, this obviously depends on box to box, but you know, part of the reason why I found it wasn't really for me is because some of the some of the classes that I did, like it was such a was such a rapid increase in like tra- in uh, in training intensity and and, it, and often volume as well. Um, and I found it just interfered with my programming. Now, it, it, yeah, it's, it seems like these guys are just constantly training at this like crazy, crazy, crazy level. It's not, I've, I've always been used to just like uh, constantly manipulating training loads and intensities um, depending on the training cycle and how my body feels. I mean, credit to them. Like, it, but as I'm concerned, it seems like there's like zero chill there. <laughs> I, think I was talking to I was talking to someone the other day, and we said that. If Matt Fraser or a big CrossFitter released their actual workouts 
it wouldn't be what happens in a CrossFit gym every night. Oh, no, 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 absolutely. No, no, so, I've seen a few so, of the documentaries and stuff. Um, uh, obviously, the, the Rich Froning documentary, which you, you've probably seen, haven't you? Yeah, I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, his program is awesome. Um, yeah, he has the luxury of training like three times a day. Which... <laughs> so what's your training week look like? Um, really like a typical... Typical. I mean, throughout the week, I'll try and I'll try and get four to five sessions in. Um, it, it really, really depends on work. Um, what I'll try and do at the beginning of the week is is get my uh, well. Firstly, like most of the strength training will be split, so um, just a standard push pulls. Um, I normally split, so at the beginning of the week will probably be more of a lower push, um, then upper push pull, and then more of a lower pull. The High intensity conditioning will be towards the beginning of the week, and then something slightly longer towards the end. So it's kind of like a little bit of a a taper in intensity and uh, a volume towards the end of the week. And I try most weekends just rest up. So you just train f- like five times a week. That's a five good week. A week. You know, yeah. that's a yeah. good week. I mean, I'm finding now as I get older and older, I've, <laughs> I hate to use the excuse finding the time, but other things take preference, whereas like before I just used to have like all the time at my disposal, but now, um, well, over the last year or so since like my one-to-one coaching hours and my online coaching has, has, uh, has increased, um, I find that um, not training doesn't take a back seat, but occasionally there will be some days that I have to push just because I, I don't force sessions. If, uh, if it's got to a certain time in the day, I won't force it. Um, I'll just, just, just postpone it to the next day. Sometimes you enforce it, it just you have a bad session anyway. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. So I was and I think it's just I think I'm just used to it. I mean I've always trained at a certain time of the day. Um I'm generally not one for sort of early mornings or late evenings. Um not not I'm definitely not an advocate of late evenings. I feel it's a time when your body should be winding down or winding up. Um so yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, absolutely. If you're if you're not in that right mindset, the chances are, you know, the effectiveness of your session might be might be reduced. <clears throat> so, how many hours a week do you do mobility? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Oh god, I had, I had a feeling you're going to come onto that at one point. Uh, should we just break it down per day? Yeah, yeah. So I'd probably do about half an hour to forty minutes a day. So. Break. That's not not not. Let's say including like movement prep, even though that's not specific mobility. To, well, it, it, obviously it's um, movement specific work for, for training, but um, something that's separate to that, you know, half an hour, forty minutes. Okay. So if any of the listeners don't understand what I'm talking about, go on to Sam's Instagram, have a look. At some of the some of the stuff he can do and some of the positions he can get in, especially your wrists <laughs> that I co- I uh, commented you on the other day. I've actually been a bit. I had a I had a good sesh. Had an hour spare this morning, and I uh, yeah, basically did the, the full hour because, like you know, you can't like with all things, you can't you can't hit the nail on the head every single time. You know, the last few weeks I've had I've backed off a little bit, not intentional, but it just happened, and I've just started to get a little bit tight and a little bit achy in certain areas. So. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I felt like I needed to dedicate an hour to it. So break down your half an hour a day mobility, like, like what is a typical session? 
Um, I mean, if, if I'm feeling any any sort of like tension in any any specific areas, I might do a little bit of like foam rolling, um, so for my fascial release, just to to relieve muscle tension, um, and then some some joint mobilization. Um, that can be, I mean, it doesn't have to be specific. That can be sort of full body flow, um, that sort of stuff, and then get into the sort of nitty gritty. Um, it tends to, the hips and the spine tend, tend to get most of the emphasis. Um, it, it's an area that I've always been not, not compromised, but I find that, that those are the areas that um, I find get take the brunt of you know what we do on a daily basis. You know, like for instance, sort of sitting down and you know, the old text posture and all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, for, as far as you know, as far as those areas are concerned, it's more just to maintain my range. Um, I'm pretty happy with the range I get. I don't feel I need to get any more. Um, I mean, if I did, I'd have to back off from the strength training a little bit. So it's, um, it's yeah, it's, it's finding that balance. <clears throat> so I asked, we had Tom Bliss on a couple of weeks ago, and I, I asked him what, what he thinks the biggest myths in mobility are. What would you say the biggest myths in mobility are? Well, I Is mean, it- from my... From my experience, um, passive and active seem to get confused a little bit. So people, a, lot of, a lot of people seem to think that if you stretch a certain area, if you stretch a muscle, it's going to give you this ability to use this range of motion, whereas it's not quite the case. If your body's not capable of actually allowing you or allowing you to own that range, then you know, you're not going to be able to use it. Um, now, the thing is with mobility, it's actually active range of motion. So it's using or it's making use of those usable active ranges um, and help, in order to help improve range of motion and uh, you know increase joint capacity and our joint capacity is something that allows the the joint to deal with the stresses that we endure on a daily basis um, now if we lift obviously lifting or training in general is is a massive stress on the body and the joints so um, you know that would be well as far as I'm concerned that would be my number one reason for doing things <laughs> so um would you recommend everyone does 30 minutes of mobility a day? Do you know what? No, I say to, uh, you know, people who, who don't have the luxury of working in a gym environment and, you know, occasionally we have, you know, spare time throughout the day, I would say try and dedicate 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes isn't a lot in the grand scheme of things. I can't remember the actual figures off the top of my head of what percentage is it, the percentage of your week that is, but it's, I think it's something like, one or two percent or something. <laughs> sure. um, so it's not a lot. It's not a lot. But yeah, you just gotta, you know, you you gotta you gotta find time. You gotta allocate time to do it. Um, so let's move on to what your business is. Do, do you <laughs> write mobility programs for people? Obviously, I'm guessing you write training programs for people. Yeah, I do, I do a lot. Generally. Um, yeah, I do a lot of online coaching. Um, the mobility side of things, especially functional range conditioning, it's it, it's so specific, and the the um, the coaching model is so precise. It's very hard to coach online. Um, I know a few guys, obviously through Instagram, who, who who've got their approach to the to online, well, to coaching it online. But um, for me, because I, I personally feel it needs to be taught one to one, especially functional range conditioning. You know, your limbs need to be in such specific positions, and you know, if you're not feeling in the right places, you're not going to be 
it's not going to be effective at the end of the day. So I kind of like, I stay away from actually trying to uh, coach FRC online. <clears throat> it's something that I'd be a lot happier doing. I mean, Skype would be a good option, but it's something I'd be much happier doing one-to-one. And that's, yeah, that, that's sort of what I do with some of my one-to-one clients. Okay. And then on online coaching, what is that exactly? Well, it, it depends. I've, I, I use a couple of platforms for it and uh, it varies from some footballers to triathletes to personal trainers. There's a mobility element to all of them, but it's more for movement prep and recovery purposes. Okay. So I don't, don't get into the sort of really, really um, nitty gritty sort of progressive and regressive angular loading. That's, that's the science jargon. There. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So... <laughs> If I if I was going to say it's 2023 right now, mm-hmm. where like in a perfect world, where are you in business, fitness, at life? So where are we now? Yeah. So I mean, I initially had this sort of vision of setting up my own place, but it's um, for a number of reasons that's sort of taken a back seat. Now for me, now I want to just get stuck into the role that I've got at USM, build my profile within within football, um, and hopefully branch off into into other sports. Um, my aim over the next year or so is to actually have someone working for me. Not completely for me, but you know what I mean? Working well, alongside, yeah. Alongside me, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's, that's, that's a sort of short and then the longer term plan. Yeah. So would you be getting a gym in London? Oh man, the rent is so expensive in London. Like, Sim- that be yeah, that would be the plan. Yeah, would it be a similar thing to um, what's that guy? I've seen him on like Instagram who trains Anthony Joshua and a lot of the footy players. Is it Jamie Vlosti? Jamie Vlosti, yeah, yeah, similar yeah, to. He's got a wicked setup there. Great gym. Um, it's just hard to find a a sort of warehouse unit like that in London. And you're also going to be you're going to be paying out your ass for it as well. Thousands, yeah. thousands, and thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, that's, that's that's one of the things that sinks quite a few. Well, a lot of small businesses is that rent, um, especially especially in London. Um, Everything in London just so expensive, isn't it? Yeah, it's so much more <laughs> expensive than uh, than up here anyway. Yeah. Um, never, never say never, though. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully one year, one day. Mate, if that's the goal, I'm sure you'll make it happen. Um, so what key tips can you give the list, or what one key tip can you give the listener to take away today, implement into their training regime, um, which is gonna is which is gonna help them? I think I think my number one tip would be have a plan. It drives me crazy when I see people just walking to a gym without a plan. It's like I've said this in a. <laughs> I've said this in a in a blog of mine. It's like going to the airport without a passport. It's like, you know, it's not going to get you anywhere. Um, so yeah, have a plan. Stick to it. You know, if you need to if you need to seek advice from someone, if you, in, in order to get that plan, then don't be afraid to reach out. You know, there's loads of loads of wicked people out there. Loads of great coaches who are doing wonderful things. Um, so yeah, don't don't be afraid to to reach out. I, th- I think that's a theme that I've had when I've asked people that question <laughs> is. Yeah. To go and get help. I think I'm sure Tom Bliss said it last time that go and get a coach. Yeah, the same answer. Yeah. And um, 
And I, the other one I always get is like track what you're doing. Yeah. So if you're going to jump yeah. on the rowing machine and just go and just give it a few pulls, it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. But so if you're going to stick to yeah, a piece. I mean, how are you expected to, first thing, well, yeah, monitor progress. So how are you expected to actually get anywhere in the first place if you're just doing willy nilly loads or slap dash like distances on a row like you know you need to you need to track these things because essentially that is that is the epitome of programming um as long as as long as you're progressively overloading um or your coach is doing <laughs> doing so then uh, yeah, you're heading in the right direction you just mentioned your blogs then uh, mm. i'll put them all in the description if you send me the links over Amazing. Um, which will obviously help the <coughs> listeners uh, find yeah. out some more information about you and about training. Yeah. Um, and last last question. Mm-hmm. What is your favourite workout for the listeners to try? My favourite workout? Favourite workout for the listeners to try, yeah. Favourite workout? Okay, I'm going to have to give you one from my new online coaching programme. Oh, wow, <laughs> inside info. <laughs> yeah, I have to give you one. It's basically I've created these. Um, I've created these workouts. Um, they're named after mountains in Europe. Okay, and the the distance that you're going to do on the row is going to be the height of that mountain. So I created this one called Ben Nevis, which uh, I'm just going to have to get up for you now. One second, I can't actually remember it off the top of my head. It's cool, mate. It's a it's a beast. It's a row. Uh, it a sounds row. like a good idea. This. I might have to edit this a little bit just to cut me out. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, it's a good idea. Usually they're like girls' names or yeah, army you know men. The cross, those. I mean, I yeah, the, the crossfit, the girls' names in crossfit and stuff are done. So I thought I'd come up with something a little bit different and uh, something super challenging, which this is. So um, you've got Ben Nevis, which is, uh, if I remember correctly, like two thousand eight hundred or three, or just over three thousand meters on the road. So your first your first, uh, your first batch on the row would be 200 meters, followed by 16 dumbbell snatches, alternating 12.5 or no, sorry, 15 or 22 and a half. Then you do 400 meters, followed by 14 snatches. Then you do 600 meters, followed by 12 snatches. Then you do 800 meters, followed by 10. Then you do 1,000 meters, followed by eight. Okay, it is obviously for time. Um, it gets pretty aggressive towards the latter half of that workout. Um, so yeah, I'm going to have to give you that one. <laughs> Mate, that's perfect, you know. Don't tell any of the other podcast guests, but that's probably the best workout we've had so far. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And it's obviously the most unique as well, which you've come up with the mountains. I love that idea. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, like, yeah, Ben Nevis was the sort of first one that I did. And uh, I've got, there's another there's, a, there's another one in somewhere in the Alps called the Grand Mont, which is, actually, that's on the fifth cycle of the coaching but yeah so that's even higher and that one is that one's a thruster combo i think oh yeah that one was <laughs> that one's pretty savage so so are these I was basically in the red zone for like 15 minutes of that workout <laughs> good good it's good so are these on your um paid online programming yeah, so I'm, I'm releasing a new um, a new mixed model um online coaching program which uh is uh which is hopefully hopefully going live in the next month. It's kind of like a monthly subscription. Um, there's a, little, there's a, a couple of hypertrophy cycles, a couple of submaximal, a couple of it just kind of I, I manipulate things throughout the training year. It's up to a year's worth of programming. There's just a lot of like strength and power work combined with some uh, high intensity bouts and then some some longer 
longer aerobic sessions as well. How much is that going to be a month? How much? How much is that going to be a month? Oh, it's 39.99 a month. Okay, so that's quite re- that's quite reasonable for, yeah. for what you're getting. Okay, mm. cool. If you've got any, again, if you've got any links uh, that the listeners can click onto, that's perfect. I'll put them in the show notes. It's it's on my it's on my website www.sampeeps.com, okay, and then there's cool. uh, there's an online coaching tab in the top right. Okay, I'll uh, I'll have a look. Perfect, mate. Thanks for uh, giving your time today to come on the podcast. Pleasure, man. Thanks for it's been me. a long time coming. I want you to have a go at that workout, by the way. Let me know your time. <laughs> okay, sound. I'll do <laughs> it this weekend. It's a proper blow. What did you get for it? I can't, I can't remember, to be honest. I think it was around sort of like 15 or 16 minutes. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, for that, for that first one. The, uh, the second one I mentioned is, uh, is quite hefty. That was like 20, 24 or something, I think. Yeah, okay. that, one's the case, that one's much more of a case of pacing things and using... You have to once you've come off the thrusters, you have to use a little bit of that row to recover because you just you got you got nothing really to give initially for that first two hundred meters. Always the best workouts. Yeah, yeah. All right, mate. Perfect. Thanks for coming on again. I really appreciate it. Thanks, right. mate. Speak soon. And we're back. Being a footy fan myself, like I was really interested in how. The players trained, what their time off was like. I hope you took loads of content out of it. We did record this podcast a few weeks ago before Christmas, so Sam's website is now live. So go check that out. As he said in the podcast, that workout was from his new programming. So if you enjoy that, then definitely jump on his new programming. I'm super excited for what we've got coming up over the next few weeks. So Hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm sure you'll enjoy the next few. I'm Sam, host of the Futures Functional Podcast. Go implement everything you've learned from the podcast today and have a good week.